When looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Well, excuse me! Looking for good ideas for life? You're far from good hands. Hey, bud, what's your problem? If you think the listener is always right, you're far from the right place. Out of order! Even in the future, nothing works! Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, but a rebel by choice. Are you threatening me? If you want a host that floats between love and madness, and we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite, looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. All right, guys, uh, listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Warning, creators of this game do understand the subject matter may be offensive to some, but they do honor the families and people that have been affected by these real-life tragedies that these individuals have caused. Wanna play a game? Oh yeah! Lover of true crime? Yes, yes, yes. Well, we got an interesting game for you to check out. Wow. With the mashup of influences such as horror movies, collecting cards, and RPGs. What? Led to giving birth to an incredible creation of this game. Killers, the card game. You are all my children now. This game is a collectible trading card game featuring some of the most infamous killers with tidbits of trivia on the back of each card to help you learn some insight to each criminal. Who the hell are you? Let's not forget, during the game, cops will be chasing you and these criminals. I'm a cop, you idiot! However, check out their website listed through all social media today, which can be found under Killers, the card game. Am I on the internet? I want to play a game. Hi, I'm Janice Blythe from the Hills Have Eyes, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, actually I had the pleasure of meeting this lovely lady 
and I guess it was October. Mm-hmm. Scarefest. Yeah, Kentucky. And she was next to friend of everybody in the show, and he happens to be on a poster, Mr. Michael Berryman, which I will <laughs> yes. Which, by the way, as we get started, I'll mention. Seek his book out. His memoir is finally available. I know that's been a long process for him, but we let's get back into our guest this evening. She was a co-star on The Hills Have Eyes with him, Mr. Berryman. Uh, she was involved in part two and a few other things. Quite so, a few. Yeah. So let's say hello to Janice Blythe. Janice, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, nice and warm here in California. It's nice and warm and unseasonably warm here in Jersey. Past couple yeah. of days been in the 60s. I'm not complaining, but it is what it is. So, since <laughs> we met, how have you been, first and foremost? I've been healthy. Uh, I never caught COVID. I've been very lucky. Well, on wood. Um, <laughs> And, That's usually uh, my skull. But. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I've just been busy with my fan page and uh, merchandising and doing podcasts and signing up for conventions and living life. There you go. Which I will mention that we will have links to everything related to Janice. We will have her fan page, which does have active communication there. She posts photos. There's also a link to her merchandise, as she mentioned there. We will have that separate link as well. So if you choose to send an item to get signed or get one off her site, everything will be there. Instructions are simple. I was checking it out just to make sure everything worked on our end. So we will direct fans to those links as well. So... I guess when we talk about you, career-wise and personal-wise, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I heard a little rumor that, yeah, because we know everything online is true. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, 100%. And I, might oh, have to start, yeah. I might have to start getting into that uh, bourbon over there, but over my shoulder. But rumor was that you started off dancing. And that's kind of your way of getting into entertainment. So where did that start? I was three. I was three years old when I started dancing. My parents didn't know what to do with all my energy. So they basically signed me up for dance class, which was a great outlet. And I just loved it. And I stayed in dance class forever. You know, I love dancing. I even ended up dancing on a commercial um, with Norm Crosby. And I just posted that on my page for Natural Light Beer. And that commercial aired during the Super Bowl. And you feel you have an Oscar. If you have a commercial on Super Bowl, it's like the Oscar of commercials. You know what I mean? It's just as, it's amazing. It's the only time I really watched football was that, that season because I would wait for my commercial to come on. But I danced. We did a takeoff on uh, John Travolta, you know, like that. Yeah. At the commercial, Anheuser-Busch asked me to represent Natural Light at their convention with all of their divisions would meet in Lake Tahoe. 
And I danced with the NBC Orchestra and Doc Severson backing me with backup dancers. I have it on DVD and I've got to get it over to a USB drive so I can I can post it. I don't know how to do that transfer yet, but I guess I have to get a little machine right to do that. Um, I mean, I did take it from VHF to DVD, but now I got to take it from DVD to digital. USB. Yeah, and I don't, you know, nobody, no, uh, computers don't have a US, I mean, a CD drive anymore. So that makes things external. <laughs> so, um, but that was really, that was really, it's called Command Performance. And it, that was quite a thrill, all from a commercial. Oh, Basil it, Hoffman was in it, Steve Landsberg. Okay. Yeah, quite. Uh, if you saw it, it's on my fan, on my fan page. Uh, Norm Crosby, before I mention the other little historical note there, is he related to Bing Crosby at all? Or? Gee, I don't know that background. Okay. But the other little tidbit I got from that is Doc Sigurdsson that you mentioned from NBC, the orchestra. <laughs> the little tidbit I want to mention is he was the leader in the man when it comes to band for NBC in terms of the tonight show with Johnny Carson for many years. So yes, that's true. I forgot people don't always know that. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm old enough to be at the tail end of Johnny's uh, run on the tonight show and just little tidbits of history like that. I always like to mention my, my brother gave my parents the whole collection of those shows. So I have them all on DVD. And I can pop him any time and watch those shows. And he was good. He was oh, But in this environment that we're in today, in 2023, and I, I always like watching the roasts as well, the mm -hmm. Dean Martin roasts. Mm -hmm. But both Dean and Johnny and whatnot, you couldn't get away with half the stuff they did if you tried to pull it off today. That's for sure. Oh, oh no. <laughs> no. But the, as funny as it was. At the time, yes, for the yeah. time, yeah. Yes. Also like to tell people it's you gotta look at it for the time period that it was. Right. And don't go all protesting and get all crazy. And it's just that's when it was, that's what's happening. You know, go back to the fifties, that's when it was. When things were happening then, in forties, that's when it was. We can't get upset about those times. In the, it's not the best day. Uh, you gotta be so careful you can't walk off the curb and you're walking off the curb wrong, you know, you have to be careful. Every which way you go. Best way to say it is context is king. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> but with the dancing and doing a commercial and everything else like that, what led to acting for you? Okay. Uh, well, as I said, I, I, at a very young age, I knew I wanted to be an actress. And I didn't even know what it was, but I just walked around saying, I'm going to be an actress, you know? <laughs> I, anything that had to do with public like a fashion show or anything I'd get my mom to get me into. And, and uh, as time went on and took dance class, I went to an acting class in Hollywood. What more <laughs> better is that? Van Mar Academy. And it was a great acting class. You got to go with your, your scripts in your hand, your sides. You had back, you had costumes and sets and you got to do the whole thing with the script in your hand so which is unusual for an acting class you got to be all you know in costume you got to have this everything flat you know it was really nice you did the whole thing he thought you do the whole thing and he encouraged doing you uh, casting in non-union work in movies you know getting your experience so i was an extra non-union extra and i would show up 
and you get paid 30 bucks for the entire day. But the extras during the, you know, wait time, downtime, you know, it's always hurry up and wait, as you know, in the movie business. And all the extras would be eating, talking on their phones, uh, sitting under trees. And, and I'd be there watching them set up the cameras, listening to what they're saying, you know, just being right there. And, and I kind of thought, well, we need someone to uh, be awake. And I was nothing, yeah, for the non-union extra work, they would tell us how to dress. You're going to be a tourist in Mexico. I would go the opposite. I would go as a person who lives in Mexico. So they would say, we need someone to be a waitress in this movie. I was Aloha Bobby and Rose, by the way. And they went, uh, uh, you. And so I got a part that ended up getting bigger. And they had me dancing on the bar. And, you know, things just happen like that. You have to be there. You got to be present. You have to be willing. And uh, I got another non-union little gig. It was a all-female gang. <laughs> and I have a photograph of that. There's like, I don't know, looks like 30 or 50 of us. And we're standing behind Mama, who's like the badass for this gang. And uh, I, I had a job downtown L.A. And it's the clothing mart. I'm sure you're familiar with the clothing mart. We, you know, it's very conservative. Your buyers come in from all your stores and they, they buy your line and they put them in the store. And that's how that happens. And I worked in a showroom. I had a, a, we called it straight job. That's something you couldn't do today. But we actors always called it a straight job. It means a, you know, a not acting job. And I was doing this little extra work. And they said, okay, at the end of the day, uh, we're going to need some of you to stay on. So those of you who cannot stay, step to the left. And those of you who can, just stay where you are. And I said, feet, move. Feet, you got to move. You have a job. Feet, move. And my feet wouldn't move. And then they went, you. And I went, okay, that's it. I quit my job. And I just kept, I crashed interviews. Um, I had a, a lot of chutzpah. You know that word? I'm of Jewish descent, yes. Oh, okay, me too. I'm half and half. Um, yes, me, but me as well. I, I had, oh boy, things I, I used to sneak on the Universal lot. Just so I'd walk around to get discovered. I'd uh, sit there and eat at the, you know, food. And I would always just be there. And one day I was at Schwab's, famous Schwab's on Sunset. Actors would go there, out of work actors, reading their Hollywood reporter, having their coffee. And I would stop by if I was there in town. And a friend of mine, Michael Pataki, an actor, was having his coffee. I sat down with him and I'm really thirsty here. Mm, my water. Oh my goodness, I didn't bring it. So, so you were mentioning about uh Pataki, Michael yes. Pataki. So I was sitting there having coffee and he said, You know what? They're casting a movie. Why don't you go over there and check it out? It's it's at this address on right down the hair and off of Hollywood Boulevard. And he gave me the address. I didn't have an appointment or anything, and I went, it was a house. And I was part of the Me Too generation. So it was very difficult. It, it, a lot of stuff happened. And you're very, your guards up constantly. And I'm walking to a house, not an office. And uh, all these yapping dogs come to the door, a little like 10 of them. And this guy kind of like unkept, you know, and floppy looking and, and nice. But, you know, I said, oh, my God, this is not a, this is not a casting call. And he said, oh, they're down there on Sunset Plaza. I went, oh, okay. 
So I drove down Sunset Plaza, which is a real nice part of Sunset, which has nice restaurants and some office stuff. And you go down the, the deep driveway the parking lot, and there was an office, and, and there was Wes Craven and Peter Locke. And this is where the hills have eyes. I knew nothing about the movie. Um, I just loved crashing interviews, anything I could do. <laughs> and uh, they let me, and they gave me a script, told me to come back tomorrow and read the part of Lynn. That was the part you all got, and she's the mom has the has the baby, and all this happens, and she's married, and da da da. And I went home and I read the script, and I came back the next day, and I said, "I gotta tell you, I really, really feel an affinity with Ruby." Oh well, that you're not right for that, and I mean, we got someone else we're looking at for that, and and we want you to read for for Lynn. I said, "But I, because you can't read for Ruby. There's no dialogue. You know, you've seen the film. It's it's all physical." Um, I think she has one, you know, get me, get me. I mean, she doesn't have, have a lot. I uh, like dogs. She didn't have a lot of dialogue. So I said, I really, really, I want to do this part. And so they went, oh, well, okay. They had four girls that they had gotten down to choose. And they said, Wes said, come with us. And went out in the parking lot. And Peter Locke, Wes Craven, four of us. And he said, um, why don't you girls to run across the parking lot, touch that pole. And run back and I knew why because it's a very physical role you know how do you look when you run so um I was at the top of my game at that point I mean I ran three to six miles every morning the afternoon I was in in, in the gym and at nighttime dance class so yeah my engine was well tuned and so when he said one two three go everyone took off and I stood there and he gave me this look like what the you know you know he was like I don't know what to do. She's not moving. And, and I went like this. And I went, and I took off, bypassed them all, touched the pole and ran back. And he went, mm-hmm, uh-huh, you know. And Peter Locke said, woo, you know. And, and they cast me right then and there. They gave me the part. So, yeah. you know, that's how I got the Hills Have Eyes. And, and uh, what else? <laughs> well, since you brought it up with Hills Have Eyes and Wes Craven and such and I never had a chance to interact with him, obviously, and the world lost him too soon. Oh, yes. You know, that was so sad, his story. But such a creative genius that man was. I said and, he, thought he died of brain cancer, and I said he thought he just was, he thought too much, you know. <laughs> he was <laughs> just, he really, he was always thinking and writing, you know. But he was very mild-mannered. He was very... He was a mensch. I'll throw my Yiddish at you. He was yeah. a mensch. He was quiet. He was unassuming. And I on the hills, too, were on location. I said, I'm going to ask you, Wes, you're so unlike a horror film. You write these really, you know, scary, raunchy movies. And, and why? How did you get into it? And he said, well... He started doing them in the beginning to raise money to do the films he really had wanted to do. But he had gotten some success from doing these films, so he just continued down that road. So his intention was not to do horror films as an end goal. It was the goal to find another end, but he stayed in it, and I'm glad he did. Yeah, but and he was supposed to rewrite the end of Hills 2 for Ruby, because I also said, I want to talk about that. Ruby can't die hitting her head on a rock. I mean, it's not my ego talking here. I said, but that's just not Ruby, you know? 
uh, you know, the ending of part one, where she's there with, with Bobby and, 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 and Susan and, you know, and they're, they won, the bad family's gone, and, and now you're going to have her die while hitting her head on a rock? He said, you're right. I know. I've been thinking about it, too. And I'm going to rewrite that ending. I said, great. So I waited as the, you know, but they had a completion bond, which means you have to complete a film by a certain date or you lose a lot of money. And they had a date, they had a meet, and they always run behind. There's always problems on any set. And we had injuries, you know, sitting in the desert and things like that. And anyways, we were running behind and came to my scene and he said, I'm sorry, I didn't have time to rewrite it. We're going to have to just shoot it as is. And I was like so disappointed. And when you hit your head on the rock and Peter Locke says, yeah, like gurgle, you know, roll your eyes and, you know, and just like die there. And I went, hmm, I'm not going to die. I said to myself, nope, movie's not going to die. She's going to pass out. She's going to go unconscious. And that's what I did. People said, oh, Ruby died. No. Do you see any blood? You see her doing the dying, you know, things that happen when you die? No. I just said, nope. <laughs> I just went unconscious because I hit my head. So I wanted to come back for part three, which darn it, you know, no one ever wrote. And I really, Michael and I came up with a great concept and we never went forward with it. But I really wish there had been, a, you could still do a Hills 3. I was thinking of Michael and I coming back and having our children in this, you know, hmm. next generation, you know, fighting with each other, that kind of thing. <laughs> and I was looking up the title. I couldn't think of it, and I didn't want to say it without sounding like a complete fool. But the, when we're talking about Wes and looking to do other styles of work, the film that I was thinking of was Serpent in the Rainbow. That's a, yeah, that was a wonderful film. Um, I had a talk show in uh, L.A. called The Janice Blythe Show. It was my own on cable, Continental Cable Vision. And I and I wrote the shows and uh, passed people that I, you know, I ended up taking over. It started out as a gore show that someone else called me up about. He wanted to do the, a little talk show based around horror films. And I would interview people that in some realm of the business worked on that kind of thing. And ended up just becoming the Janice Blythe show. And I interviewed Wes Craven. And we did Serpent in the Rainbow. And he brought uh, his star on. I have that on VHS tape, which I'm going to transfer to DVD. And then figure out how to put it on a USB so I can post it. It's a wonderful, wonderful interview. He gave a good interview. Absolutely. Because he was such a bright and bright man. There can't say enough about the guy. But yes. <laughs> you mentioned Michael there, and we're talking about Michael Berryman, and yes. you mentioned him in the intro and all that. Great guy. He's what you would consider Mensa type, and just very bright, intelligent guy. Oh, Can yeah. have a great conversation with him. But what very kind of relationship? Oh, what kind of relationship do you have with Michael? Oh, we we connected immediately. Yeah. Uh, we still do. And I called him, I call him Pluto, my brother. He calls me Ruby. Uh, I just saw him in Kentucky and um, we stay in touch. You know, we, you know, we email, we text and we call and, and it's like all the time can pass. And when we see each other, it feels like no time has passed. You know, people, you know, when you look at Michael, people don't know what to think of him because he has, I forgot the, I interviewed him on my show too. It's a great interview I have with him. So I've got to get these 
on the USB so I can post them. But he has a certain number of disabilities in his body. And one of them is his skin can't breathe. So he has to live in certain environments. And I said, how are you going to do this on the, in the desert? And he said, I'm going to do it. And he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, we talked to him. You don't see any disabilities whatsoever. He is so friggin' intelligent, isn't he? I mean, he's Absolutely. wonderful to talk to. And this isn't about me, but, and I don't want to go down that road, me, 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 because it's not cool when hosts do that and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> yeah, I try to be conscious of it. But when it comes to, but when it comes to him, I remember for that show, the Scarefest. I literally got to town that morning that everything was going to start on Friday. And for folks who might live under a rock, conventions usually, especially these horror ones or sports ones or whatever the case is, go from Friday to Sunday. So I happened to walk in said hotel that we were all going to be staying at. And sure enough, who I see in the lobby get get ready to walk over to the building. But Michael... So, and we've, you know, done things like this, you know, when we chatted. So I want to go over and say hello in person and all that stuff, you know, because we communicate text and Zoom and everything else, you know. And ne- next thing I know, I look at my phone. We were sitting there a half hour having a conversation about politics and what's going on in the news and the memoir and, you know, just mm-hmm. stuff in the entertainment world. But also the real life stuff that was going on and at that time you'd rather not talk about his yeah yeah exactly but it was like no time went like that just sitting having it something i was hey how you doing want to say hello turned into such a intellectual conversation as like probably an hour right oh it was at least a half hour and they're like hey michael you know people from the convention hey we gotta go (laughs) yeah like (laughs) But, like, time went no, you know, like that. And he'll do this. He'll go, uh, just a minute. I'm not done yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so, long story short, we ended up catching up after the show that first night over a beer and continuing the conversation. So, yeah, I can't say nothing about the about Michael. Well, one more thing. Just, I love when I go to conventions, they do a Hills reunion and, you know, our cables are next to each other because mm-hmm. he and I are, are, you know, kidding back and forth. And it's really fun to be around us. Because, yeah. oh. We got these one-liners going back and forth, and um, we do a lot of the shots for the for the fans. You know, we'll sign together; they can take a selfie with us with them together. You know, he, I, and them. You know, that's really nice. He, he believes like me not to. We don't believe in gouging the fans and charging an outrageous amount of money for this stuff. We, you know, just enough to, to cover everything, but not yeah. to, yeah, break the bank. Yeah, that's a whole different conversation we can have. But speaking of yeah. conventions, before I bring up the other project that I want to make sure we get in, two parts with this. How have conventions been for you as far as doing them? And I know you're always looking to jump on more yes. and stuff, but which we have links for the fan page and all, which you can connect with you and schedule everything and handle the business of that but you know what things don't realize is that the promoters listen to their attendees yes they they write in they send emails to the 
whichever convention they I live near and attend, and they want to see me there, all they need to do is send emails to the that promoter. And they read them. They really do. And that's how you get invited. That just happened for me. People are asking me, I really want to see you at Cinema Wasteland. I said, well, don't tell me about it. You got to tell the promoter. They did, and I've been invited. I'm going there September 29th to Cinema Wasteland. So that's how it works, everyone. So you need to write in to whatever convention that you attend, and you have to request whoever it is you want to have there. And they and nothing you do it, and they'll say, okay, we've got all these requests for Janice Blythe. Let's bring her on. So that's how that happens. And that's yes. important for me. I love going. I love interacting with my fans. I had a guy drive eight hours. Really? Just, yes, just to meet me. And that, you know, my heart was really, oh my goodness, my heart was so full. I couldn't believe it. I had three guys that brought five items each for me to sign. And they drove uh, five or six hours um, because I haven't been booked at enough of these. And I've always been willing and wanting to do these. Um, So my admin for my fan page has started writing emails to the promoters too and and telling them instead of just waiting you know we're, we're being more proactive because michael and i did a convention back when and we we you know we got picked up in a limo this was different you know and we were taken to this convention and he just knew how to continue on that train and i am missing that a part of my personality um that business part I need someone else to help me with that. So I didn't jump on that train like he did. And I should have jumped on his train. <laughs> but um, I love I love talking with the fans. I love taking photographs and hearing their stories. And they, they bring their kids as young as six years old. I'm their fan. I mean, six years old, that's a little young for these movies. But they watch them. So it's kind of... Jonathan, to know that my movies have crossed over generations and will live on long after I'm gone. Wow, that's my legacy I'm leaving. And that's, that's that feels kind of good, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to ask your favorite thing that you've come across signing uh, for folks, first off. You know, someone asked me, like, what, what was the, the, the oddest thing I ever signed, but... I mean what something that they brought in themselves? Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, obviously I, it shows you have pictures and stuff, but fans bring they, stuff as well. Well, they I had a guy bring in a huge poster that I've never seen of me. Um from it was like Ruby blown up this big on a poster. Got it on eBay. Um and you know, I haven't had a lot of strange requests. There was one girl at Scarefest who had a doll. And she wanted everyone to sign it. And I just said, give it to me, I'll sign it, you know. I'm not going to charge me. I said, no, I'm going to sign it. I just signed it for her. Um, that's Otherwise, it's always photographs, posters, photographs. They want that, you know. And I haven't had anything weird. Sorry, no good stories there. Oh, that's good that you didn't have any real uh, weird stuff. I haven't. <laughs> What's that? I wonder what Michael could answer that question if he probably has had some odd things, but um I know mine have been pretty basic. Eight <laughs> <or> five posters. <laughs> it, you know, it's funny. I'll have to send a text and say, because now you got me curious later on after we're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh 
You mentioned there as far as the films being generational and yeah. leaving sort of your legacy, I guess is the best way to say. Yeah. But what is that for you that, yeah, that's cool that when you realize that, but when did that, you know, light bulb go off for you that, wow, people, like you said, multiple generations at this point have seen stuff you've done. And yeah, it's a cross. Know you. When I was in uh, Burbank at Monsterpalooza, and they aired, and they, they screened The Hills Have Eyes, and we did a Hills Have Eye reunion. Um, you know, we had Don Peake there, who did the music. You know, we, he really got everyone there. And we came in for a Q&A after the film ended. And we walked in, and everyone was applauding. And tears came to my eyes. I just... You know, I just, it just got, it was really, you know, I really felt this enormous, you know, appreciation. And it, it's it's an unbelievable feeling. I feel like I'm crying right now. I mean, it was an unbelievable feeling. And then um, the last couple of conventions I've done, when they come to my table and they go, and this is my daughter, this is my son, and they're a fan. Because someone said to me, they didn't know if my films were going to cross generations. Oh, yeah, they have crossed a few, <laughs> they're going to continue to cross. It's kind of, it's wonderful. I didn't, you don't know when you do a movie. You have no idea where it's going to go. You can't do a movie and go, oh, this one's going to be a hit. You know, you don't have no idea. I wanted to work. And I wanted to do something that had some teeth in it, you know, some depth to it. I was offered these TNA movies where some guys peeking through a hole, you know, watching the girls take showers where they take their tops off. Ah, TNA stuff, you know, nothing to it. I mean, there's no acting there. And, but, now, I'm not good. If you don't believe me when I'm playing that role, that movie's going to flop. It's not going to be very good. I mean, I, so I love that. They are very challenging for me. And I've had some great roles. And, and uh, that's acting for me, you know. I, I like being a chameleon, they call me, because I, become the part that I'm cast in. I always, I'm always changing my look and who I am. And like people don't always recognize me walking down the street. If somebody, if I'm walking down the street and somebody goes, hey, Ruby, I go, how dare you? I don't look like that. You know, you know how Ruby looked with her hair all wild and she's wearing leather and dirt. And Wes Craven kept saying, she's still too pretty. Put more dirt on her, black out her teeth. <laughs> That's what he said. And I went, they have you roll on the ground. Have you get down and roll in the dirt. Um, and black out my teeth, <laughs> but I wouldn't want someone to say, oh, that's her <laughs> walking down the street. But when I tell them about what the movie is, then they realize, you know, that it's me. And fans are very faithful. They, yes. they, oh, when they're a fan of yours, I have fans tell me the lines from my movies that I don't remember. <laughs> uh, you know, it. it they, they bring up stuff and go, oh, yeah, I forgot I did that. I mean, they just, it's amazing. And I love them because, you know, without the fans, there would be no films. Our so fans. I'm, oh, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Quick. Huh? I said I was cutting you off. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that, that what I just said, that without the fans, there would be no films. And that's, well, I mean that, you know. Um, but what would, it would not, I mean, seriously, there would be no film because who are they going to play it for? They have no life after, you know, a film aired, I mean, screened. 
I keep thinking about air because we have this. Everything's on TV now. So, you know. Streaming services. Streaming air, yeah. But fans, now fans want to feel that that DVD in their hand. They want to be able to see that artwork and own it. So they can stream all you want, but there's always going to be a market for buying that. They're going to, I mean, people want to buy, they want to see the artwork. Now, see this one here? Right here? This is the original artwork from Meeting Alive that nice. was given to me by Hollywood Book and Poster. I used to pop in there in Hollywood, and the guy was so wonderful. Anything that had to do with any of my films, when I walked in, he just gave me. Nice. Original artwork. Like priceless to people. And if you could see how I moved the camera on my end, I, I have can't. a... The okay. Yeah, I had a a cabinet of physical medium. Oh. So, like you said, the DVDs and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I don't collect movie movies anymore because, I mean, now I, I watch my, you know, my, my fire stick. You know, I don't need to have, go buy all these movies. But I was big into buying, you know, movies so I could watch them and watch them and watch them. But they take up, you know, a great deal of space. And mm -hmm. now I can't even give them away, you know. <laughs> I used to sell them at a yard sale, but I couldn't, for a dollar each, they wouldn't go. I put them down to 50 cents and they were sitting there. I went, wow. You used to be able to donate them to the library? Well, they have too many. They don't want anymore. So I got two big drawers full of DVDs. Not my movies, but movies that I really like. And I don't know what to do with them because they're good movies. When your cable goes down, you got to watch something. Exactly. You know, you, lose, you, know, gotta, you know, that's happened to me before, so... You know, they're good to have something around, but I do have my movies on my shelf over here. I've got uh, VHS and then now DVDs. And I have a uh, laser disc of Phantom of the Paradise. There mm. was a, remember laser disc that came and went yes. really quickly? Yeah. Well, there was a store that opened up and where I, near where I lived in, in uh, uh, West LA. And I walked in and went, wow, look at this is a whole new thing. And he, it's a record. No, it's not a record. It's a laser. Really? It's a whole new concept to me. And I saw Phantom. So I had to buy it. So I should have brought that on today. I forgot about that. But I do have that. I must post that. I'll, I'll post that. It's a beautiful, you know, album size. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and vinyl, as far as records, vinyl has come back big time. But that's the size of it. So, yeah. There are, like, I'm on the cover of Drive-In Massacre, and like I told you, I'm doing uh, Cinema Wasteland in September, and I've been texting, I mean, emailing back and forth with Ken, the promoter, and he said, I didn't realize that was you on the artwork on the box. Uh, and I said, yeah, that's me hanging out the door, dying. Um, <laughs> and so I'm going to reproduce that shot and sell them for the first time at Cinema Wasteland this September. That's good to know for that show. You showed yes. the artwork there that you just put on the floor from yeah. Eaten Alive. And that yes. was the other thing I wanted to bring up. Okay. Career-wise. And you worked for another genius, as you would say, in Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper, right. So what kind of memories you have from that film, but also... Um, I, I'll tell you about that. I was on the, uh, on the studio lot... Another film. I was. It had a small part in "You Light Up My Life," 
There was nobody in scene. It was, I had one line. Um, I mean, I would just work. Whatever I could do, I would take it. But I, I don't know why, but I took a walk on the lot. And I ran into a writer that I had met when I was going to Van Mar Academy. Uh, he came to watch my work because the uh, teacher, oh, this is a great story. I forgot about this. You're flashing me back. Uh, Ivan Marcota called him down to watch me, purposely to watch me and to give Ivan his impression of my acting. And I didn't know this. And uh, he watched me do my scenes and all that. And he wrote on a note, She's excellent, you know, <laughs> and he gave it to Ivan. He's, you know, so Ivan was like mentoring me. And and that writer, Alvin Fast, was on the same lot as we crossed paths. He said, you know, a movie I told you I was going to do one day? Well, we're doing it. And we're casting over here. And we haven't cast the female lead yet. Um, do you want to come over and read for it? And I went, I'm shooting over here on, you know, this Lot B over here. I mean, the studio B. At, at. He goes, well, just come over anyway. So we were on a break, and I went over, and it was for Eaton Live, which is called Death Trap, which is called, uh, it's like 15 names of that movie. Did you know that? That movie had so many other names. Um, Death Trap, Eaton Alive, Poor Hotel. I mean, all kinds of names. Anyway, um, so I went in, and I met Ma Marty Rustam, and he was the producer. And they said, okay, we want you. And I went, oh, what am I going to do about the planet? You know, I didn't know what to do. So I went over to the to that assistant director and I said, come here, can I tell you, I have a problem. I don't know what to do. He said, oh, honey, that's great. Go ahead. No problem. Good luck to you. And I went, oh, okay. So I left that production and I went to do, la la, eating alive. You never told that story before. That's how I got that part. You're the first time I told that story. Well, that's good to know. Hold on one yes. second. You mentioned earlier about the uh, studying the production side of things and all that kind of as a uh, extra. Yes. Which reminded me of, because I know reading everything online, like I said earlier, tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah. It, it must be the truth. <laughs> must be this must be this stuff I'm drinking but uh read that you assisted other people after you retired from acting is that true what do you mean uh there was I was trying to google it there were some directors and things like that that you were working with when retired from acting I didn't retire from acting okay say so the inner the interweb is wrong as usual. So what are they saying? They're saying that I retired. And I'm doing something else. You, yeah, before, but this was before the. It was referencing before the talk show that you mentioned earlier. Okay, all I can think of is that Tom Holland. Yes, that's okay. Now you're jogging my memory. It was okay. With, so Tom, uh, Tom Holland, yeah. And we were uh, we were friends, and he was a writer, and he said he wanted someone to, you know, help him. And I, you know, actors always had to have another job, and so I would go up to his house and I would do whatever he needed. So I was his assistant, and I know what you're getting at. Okay, so I was his assistant, and 
and it was in the house and and fright night it got sold you know so we went from you know he's gonna now be directing this he's gonna be doing it on a studio so he offered me the job he wanted me to continue on with him and but i couldn't act anymore and i said you can't say that to me yeah you're not happy to tell me i can never act so i could just see me if i told him yes and then i'd be sitting there and if a job came up and i'd be having to sneak around i mean just just you know I, it just didn't feel right you can't tell me i can't act and so i said i can't do it then and but i still helped him i didn't leave that job yet he had me come in and read the actors you know the casting director jackie birch would do it and then i said Tom, why don't you have me do it? Because then you give them the, then you can really, both of you can really just see the acting. And so, and then I give the actors a better shot if they have an actor reading with them. So I did that. I read the other parts and he pulled me to the side. And he said, now I know why you can't quit acting. <laughs> and I said, thank you. Thank you. But, you know, I wish I could have worked for him. And, and if an opportunity came up, I could have, you know, being on the studio like that in the lot, you know, something could have happened. But I didn't want to be sneaking around trying to do it. So maybe that's what you're referring to? Yeah, because the way it was worded was, oh, she retired. She was working with Tom, all that fun stuff. Where'd you and find this? I will send you the link that I read. Okay. That way you can see, because like I said, everything online is true. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I try to correct my fans all the time, and I forgot now a couple of times that someone has said something, and I have to go right in there right away and say, nah, that ain't right, you know, <laughs> and correct them. And they go, oh, okay, thank you. Because, like, yeah, you know, it's how rumors start. Um, but as long as they're talking about me, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's, it's positive. They yeah, when they stop, it's a problem. But yeah. yeah, so oh, Tom wrote a, a part for me in Fright Night. He actually okay. created a little part for me. But of course, running over budget, running late, we didn't get to shoot it. But I did read uh, um, uh, Amanda, who played the the young girl, and I just Amanda saw her. Beast. She lives out here, and I just ran into her at an event, and I said, "I read you for that part," and she went, "What?" And so, uh, yeah, that many years ago, and. And uh, we both live out here in the desert. Amanda does directing as well now. Oh, okay. I don't know if you're aware of that, but. No. Yeah, so, huh. you know, but it's what we were saying there about the confusion with stuff that was put out there. It's That's why I enjoy doing this conversation. Yes. Because we try to get the actual info out there. Mm-hmm. But. Last question. Obviously, you mentioned that show in September, but mm -hmm. what, what is next? Uh, April, I'm going to Canada. I'm going to Chatham, Kent, in Canada to do CK Expo. And what that is, it's just I have to fly to Detroit and then they'll drive me one hour over the border because that's Canada's pretty darn big. I didn't realize how big it was, but it's that part of Canada. CK Expo is a charity convention, and I like to give back. And this is for big sisters, big brothers. So the money they get from the door goes 
to the to the charity and I'm donating my t-shirt I'm donating uh, I've got a, a ruby patch and I've got a ruby tote and we're going to be auctioning and we're going to be uh, sweepstakes you know I mean a raffling so that I'm donating the money for those towards that cause also so I'm excited about that that's going to be on one day April 29th in what? Chatham Kent in Canada it if you have a link to that, please send it over. Okay. Because that's a pretty cool deal. and It is. Might, might as well put that out there as well. Yeah, because uh, people from Detroit, that's really easy for them to come over. You know, and it's very inexpensive to get a ticket. I think it's like 20 bucks um, as opposed to the, you know, the horror conventions. They could be 35, 40, right? Well, yeah, if you easy. want to get past, it's a lot more. Yeah, easily, you know, depending yeah. on what you... I think it's 15 or $20, and that money's going to go for a good cause. Plus, you get to see me. <laughs> <laughs> you know who else is on that show? No, I don't know the other guest. I don't know okay. the other guest at this time, but um, that's coming right around the corner. I feel like I have to start packing. <laughs> I always wait too late to do... I say, oh, I got plenty of time, and then I'm in a total panic, and I'm doing it the night before, and I keep saying, this time I'm going to start early. And I'm going to say it again this time. I'm going to start early so I don't panic again the night before. Um, they go, oh, I got plenty of things. Always two months away, but that goes by so fast. So I'm hoping to find an, uh, another convention. If you guys write into your conventions, and they they will contact me. I want to find a convention in between April and September. You know, there, there's one more in there. And that would be nice to do. Well, you know, like I said, this ain't about me, but. I certainly know a few that I want to make the suggestion to. Oh, fantastic. That'd be great. Yeah, and that's how it works. It's wonderful. We will talk about Cinema Wasteland. When I, he wrote me, I said, because, uh, you know, I'm, always, I'm only used to uh, being brought in as a reunion. So I did write to him and I said, uh, are you wanted to do a reunion? You wanted everyone else there? He said, nope. He said, I've had a couple of them back, you know, since we did the first reunion in 2013. He said, but I've had requests for you. So I'd like to have you solo. And I went, oh, okay. My little feathers all went, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to be the only one at that convention from the Hills Have Eyes. Always a good shot to the ego, that's for sure. It just makes you feel wanted, appreciated. And he actually, Ken owned a video store. Thirty. Hmm. Years ago or something and owning that video store has rolled into cinema wasteland and his um theme is like drive-in movies and i didn't know this um i said you know you want me to bring photos from drive-in massacre and he went that's what he said he didn't know i was on the artwork and i said yeah we're gonna do that also a little movie i did called spine he's thinking he wants to screen that movie that weekend because you know it's uh it's one of those low-budget type things that fits into that little category mm -hmm. of 70s, you know, movies, driving movies. So he's going to screen that one, some spying, which I don't even talk about it because I forgot about it. But, but now it's coming back up again. It's amazing how my career is like re refurbishing. You know, it's like it's had like a, a, a redone. It's been redone. It's like coming I'm feeling more popular now than ever. And that's just 
It's awesome to me. I love you all. <laughs> it's awesome to me. And like she was saying, make the suggestions to mm-hmm. your local show. And also check below the links to fan yeah, page. The on fan Facebook. page on, on Facebook. You have the link to get autos and stuff like that. Or get your merch done. Yes. But also, like I said, we've been saying is make the suggestion for her to come to your show. They'll listen. They will yeah. listen. Exactly. Make a suggestion. They will come. You know? <laughs> it's like the old uh, Kevin Costner line from a what, exactly. what, what a baseball movie. Build it and Except they will come. Feel the dreams. Yes. Thank but you. Feel the dreams. Is that was it? Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Just to mention, just ask for Janice and she will come. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Janice, thank you so much for the time. Oh, thank you for the interview. It was wonderful. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. This is Michael Berryman, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Woo-hoo!